Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. social media. And so when I got married, my wedding photos and my wedding day was the same as like weddings for a hundred years. It happened in an archaic looking church with very yellow lights. Everyone was very matching on both sides. You stood on the chapel steps in a very particular way for this wedding. There was very specific words that were said by a pastor who droned on, right? There are all kinds of normal things. That's just how weddings worked for a hundred years. My reception, where was it at? In a hotel ballroom, because that's what you did. You had chicken or you had steak to eat. There was no vegans in 2006, maybe in Santa Monica and maybe at Burning Man, but nowhere else. Those were the options that you had people. And then we were enlightened. Social media came, we had the gift of an iPhone, and all of a sudden, all of you people who got married after that, you had chalkboards when you walked in. <laughs> you had Edison lights, ooh, right? Photog photographers that made you look like a real human who was actually in love. You're welcome for the foundation that we built for you. I go to receptions now and you have tacos and In-N-Out trucks and vegan food and curry. Not me, my friends. <laughs> and so weddings have changed, but there's still the magic of the content that's always been there. The forms will look different. The wedding that I have looks archaic and outdated just 17 years later but there's still the beauty and the magic of what that day represents. And so my friends, that's where we're gonna talk about Leviticus. You saw where I was going there, yes. Are you guys excited by the way that we're in Leviticus? Yeah? Yeah, some of you here literally just shook your head no. That was great, yeah, others of you cheered. Um, if you want to grow a church, you don't get into the book of Leviticus. So here we are, um, it's gonna be a great time and I'm actually incredibly excited about it because even though the forms have changed, there's still this powerful reality that Leviticus offers for us about, hey, what happens now when we're rebuilding and reconstructing and want to find a life that practically works with this God? What happens after we've come out of oppression and slavery? What happens when we've been liberated? How do we relearn to be human once again? Oh, what do we do to reorder our lives that will actually work for where we're at now? Because that old form doesn't work for us anymore, and there's a new form that's arrived, but I want it to actually be meaningful and transformational and healing and maturing in my life. And that, my friends, is why Leviticus still has something to say for us in Los Angeles in 2022. And so this big idea that we're talking about today is simply this idea that we are reordering our lives 
that we are rebuilding something, reclaiming something, reconstructing something beautiful. So to talk about reordering our lives and to talk about the book of Leviticus, we've got to talk about some things. So we're going to talk about how the Bible works, and then if we can do that, then the power of seven. No, this is not a Scientology meeting. <laughs> or is it? For only $33,000, I will tell you all <laughs> of my secrets and Tom Cruise's. And then if we can do that, I just, why did I shit on Tom Cruise for no reason? He just had, had Top Gun, it was great. Then if we can talk about that, then we'll talk about archaic and outdated. And if we can talk about archaic and outdated, then I'm still, you know, an evangelical pastor somewhere in my bones, three C's. And if we can talk about three C's that, of course, alliterate, then we can talk about being co-creators. And if we can talk about co-creators, then we can talk about how things need to be in their proper places. And then we can talk about what new world order actually might look like in reclaiming that thing. And then, of course, Serena Williams. <laughs> Friends. Follow along with me in the book of Leviticus. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. And everybody went, ooh, ah. And he said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when anyone among you brings you an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or the flock. And you can see why this will change your life. We need to think a little bit about how the Bible works so you can get a little bit deeper into the book of Leviticus and why even these first two verses are revolutionary to what it means to be human and the spiritual experience for all human beings over the last 3,000 years. Yeah, I said that thing. So here's what happens in the Bible that many of us don't know because we just weren't taught to see it in a bigger way. Uh, is that when you look at the Bible, you start with Genesis 1, and this is a story about constructing. This is a story about the first narrative that you get and this narrative in Genesis 1 is all about that you are made in the image of God and that you are good. But when you move through the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, we're just on Leviticus, people, all right? We're going to get through the entire Torah together. You are welcome, all right? And so then we go from Genesis 1 to where you are good, you've constructed something. We get like the pre-story, the Hobbit before the Lord of the Rings of how we actually got here. Then we move to Exodus 1, and that story is crazy. Because you just got through the Genesis story where you get through all the patriarchs and the matriarchs and Joseph, that he's in Egypt, and there was a famine in the land, and he went from like being a slave, and then all of a sudden he's like a king almost, and good things are happening. And you close that book, and you open up a new one, and you're like, they've been slaves for 400 years? I missed something here. But the story is we always want to take it seriously, and we don't always have to take it so literally so that we can grow up of why these stories are actually powerful for us, is that this is our story as a human being. You have a cosmology, a creation, a story that you were just given because that's just how every human works. And then you go through some things. You go through metaphorical or literal bondage. There are oppressors. There are systems. There are individuals. There are things that you go through. And there are moments in your life where you're deconstructing, letting go, figuring it out, doubting, wondering, and you don't know where God is at. And that's Exodus 1, that God is now absent from the story, and at least that's your experience of it. And then all of the fireworks happen in Exodus, and God comes to Moses in the burning bush and does all of the plague things, and the Red Sea splits, and they go through that, and they're liberated from the things that they've been oppressed from. And how many of you have been there? I never thought I could get out of this. 
but here I am sitting on stage with 10 years of sobriety. I never thought I would be in a church again, and four years later, here I am. I never thought that that relationship would work out. I never thought I'd be free from that thing. I never thought, and here you are, when God felt absent, somehow God showed up and you were liberated and freed from the pharaohs and the Egypts that are in your life. And then you went through a period of deconstruction and figuring it out and wondering and asking different questions because the thing over here didn't work for you anymore. Because sometimes when we come out of bondage, when we come out of oppression, when we come out of a system, when we come out of a bad relationship or a bad job, we have to learn to reorder our lives again. Because it's not just enough to no longer be slaves. Now we have to learn of what it does actually mean to live into freedom. And so the book of Exodus is that moment where these things come together. They're out of Egypt. They're on a mountain. This is the Ten Commandments. And then for the next 15 chapters, everybody has a good time as they build the tabernacle, my friends. You're still on it. Good job. Yes, yes. But the tabernacle all represents for the ancient Jews is this opportunity where they get to dwell with God again or where God dwells with them that the deconstruction that they've gone through and now they want to begin to reconstruct some things in a way that's actually helpful. And so then we get to the beginning of Leviticus 1 and it's all about reconstruction. If the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, these are the books of the Bible for the Jews that are like their gospel. This is the story of what God is doing. So you go from a creation story, a construction, through a deconstruction of what God's doing, and now the rest of the books of the Torah, while Leviticus is in the middle of all the books, it's now how do you actually rebuild your life again? And practically, where do I go from here? And so we look at some of these things and we're like, oh man, that feels archaic or outdated. But the specifics and distinctions and the details there, imagine for an ancient people who are learning to be free, that they're no longer slaves and they need a new form to actually navigate this world in. That's why so many of you are here. You're in this place because you're saying, I don't want to just say no to these things anymore. I want to rebuild and reclaim and renew some things in my life because it still has meaning for me. And I know there's a bigger story of who God is out there. I've experienced some liberation and I've experienced some freedom. But now what I want in my life is I actually want to rebuild something that's meaningful. And that's the beauty and the work that we get to do together. I'm always fascinated when people look at the Bible in 2022 and they're like, the Bible, so outdated. What could that possibly have for me? I get it. I really do get it in the sense of the way that the Bible has been weaponized and the way that it has hurt people and the way that it has been limited, of course you would have that perspective. Of course you would have that perspective. But it's not true. There's still so much good wisdom here. What would this have for you? A book that's lasted 3,000 years may still have goodness in it for what it means to be human. The forms may change. We may not be preparing a tabernacle with one another, right? But the truth of it is that we want practical advice in a way to connect with God and ourselves and to rebuild a society that actually works for everybody. Now that doesn't sound archaic. When people say that to me, I'm like, you think your influencer is going to be here 3,000 years from now? I think not, right? For all the influencers in the room, I love you. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Because there's a lot of you in here because it's L.A., you know. 
What I'm saying is, is that there's still good wisdom. We don't have to throw it all out. We get to do the work of seeing the goodness that's still, still there and how this has practically worked for thousands of years, for generations and generations of people to actually make sense of God, to actually make sense of who they are. And that's the gift that we're working on with one another. So there's three C's that I want to get into, and I'm going to get into them really quickly as we think about Leviticus. And the first C is simply this, that practically when we think about Leviticus, Leviticus is inviting us to create. That when we look at this first verse, uh, these first two verses in Leviticus, God is inviting Moses to create with God. There's a reason that Genesis 1 starts off with the creation story, and you know there's seven days, and God calls out to creation and says, you are good, and you are good, and you are good, and you are good. And God gets to humanity and says, and you are very good, which was an absolutely revolutionary idea thousands of years ago. Because back in the ancient world, you had a few kings, a few emperors, and everybody else was their servants. And there was only a few deities in those people, and everyone else was just working to serve them. But this is a revolutionary story of a God who comes and works with slaves and says, no, 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 this is going to be a story where he changed the system from the bottom up so that everybody knows that they're valued. And so in this story, when God creates everything, God invites us into being co-creators in it. And then you fast forward through the Bible and you get to Leviticus and God is now calling Moses. It's the exact same word of God calling out to creation in Genesis 1. That word in Hebrew is called kara. Say kara with me. Thank you so much for your Hebrew. And so that Hebrew word, there's a reason that it's at the beginning of Genesis 1 and that it's at the beginning of Leviticus 1. It's saying this, that God is still calling out to us to be co-creators in this universe. And when we go through some deconstruction and we get to a new place of reconstruction, this is the moment where God is asking us to grow up. This is the moment where God is asking us to mature. This is no longer the faith where you have something bad going on and you're broken and you're hurting and someone just keeps telling you, just keep being washed under the blood of Jesus and you raise your hand and then nothing changes and the next week you're back in the same place. This is the faith where God says, yes, I will do my part. I will rescue and liberate you from Egypt and from Pharaoh. And then you will have to learn to grow up on your own. With me there, I'm going to teach you to walk across the street. But like any good parent, if you're still holding the hand of your 23-year-old to get across the street, kick him out of the basement. <laughs> right? That there's a moment where we have to let go because that's the best thing actually for our child. And the Jews understood this in the Torah. They have a God who frees, rescues, liberates, saves them. And then a God who says, I trust you enough to be co-creators in this world with me. And so all of these details that you see through the end of Exodus, and then all of the details that you see through the book of Leviticus, all the little things that they're going to build in the tabernacle, right? There were seven days of creation, and through Exodus 25 to 40, many of you are zoning out for what I'm saying here, there were seven things that they had to do in the tabernacle to build it very specifically. These numbers are just representing that God is saying there's an order to things, and when we order things well, then our lives actually work better for us. And so God is saying, I want you to be creators now with me in this world. And again, it's changed. I get it. The tabernacle, most of you are not going to read about where do we put the lampstand, and then where does the priest wear, and what do we do with the shamalunga ding-dong thing, right? I think that's what it's, I think that's the official Hebrew word, right? I got, yeah, I got, I had a lot of jokes that just went through my head there. I'm like, do I filter it? 
Some of you got some shamalanga ding-dongs in your home right now. <laughs> and you're just hoping the kids don't open that drawer. I honestly couldn't resist it. Like it was there, it felt real. Like it happened so fast in my brain and there was one part of my brain that was like, don't do it, grow up, great. And the other part of my brain just high-fived me and they're like, they need this. They, hashtag Shamalanga Ding Dunks, that's on you guys. It's on you. That we don't need those specific details to build the tabernacle, but we do want the details of how to co-create with God again. And so as you read the book of Leviticus, know that God is inviting you into practically co-creating. That's the gift. If we can move from being co-creators with God again because we're re reconstructing and rebuilding a world that actually works for our lives, because we're actually reordering things in a very distinct and specific way that begins to make sense, then we can begin to choose this different world that we're reordering as well. That there's a place for everything. There's a place for all of the specifics of our lives. That's one of the biggest things that we go through when we're deconstructing, is that people have told us the places that things should have for our lives. And we're like, I don't actually like that thing. That thing doesn't actually work for me. And we begin just to throw everything out, right? And then we begin to try a bunch of new things on. And you're like, yeah, I know, I think I really like this thing, or this thing does work for me. Or I was always told that crystals and astrology are evil, but to be honest, it's kind of giving me some energy in L.A. in 2022. Great, that's part of the process is that you get to hold some different things and some bigger things. You get to let some things go, and you're finding the proper ordering for your actual life. What things actually belong here for you? And you get to choose that. And you get to choose, does this person work for my life anymore? Do they get the right to be a part of the order of my universe? Does this stuff have a place in my life anymore? Does this addiction have a place in my life anymore? Does this job have a place in my life anymore? You get to choose it. God is saying, I want you to grow up and I want you to choose these things that are good for you. And one of the hard things of being co-creators is that you're eventually going to have to make a choice because you can't have it all. And you can't have it all at once. You have to choose what's good for your life right now in these moments, in this season. You're going to Marie Kondo the shit out of everything. Do I love this thing? Does this thing work for me? And if it doesn't, it's okay to let it go. If you remember that the Israelites, when they left Egypt, they had all of these questions, right? They got freedom from slavery, freedom from the oppressor, freedom from the system. And then all of a sudden, they're asking questions like, to be honest, it's kind of hot out here in the wilderness. I want to go back to Egypt. Because sometimes we don't always know what we're asking for in these stories, right? It's terrifying. It, you remember the story of the golden calf? Like, yeah, God, we're all about you, Moses. Go up to the moat and bring down the Ten Commandments. We'll wait here. Two hours later, they were having the biggest orgy you've ever seen. It's a fascinating story that sometimes it's one thing to be freed. It's another thing to learn how to live. And we got to learn to reorder our lives together. So we become co-creators with God again in a new, grown-up, more mature way. And then we begin to choose practically what still actually works in our life. We begin the hard process of saying no to some things and finally saying yes to the truths that have always been you. And I love a room like this. I love all the things that so many of you have taught me. I'll never be able to thank the queer community enough that you've been able to choose your identity in a way that I never had to choose mine. 
that you remind us of what's good when we reconstruct and reclaim and rebuild and say, I am unequivocally celebrating me. And the rest, you can clap for that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that every single one of us, every single segment of our society has something to teach us and to learn from, things to say no to and things to say yes to. So if we can become co-creators again, if we can begin to choose uh, God again, then we can think about our calling. I know that's like a spiritual word, and sometimes we don't know what to do with it, but I think all of us have a calling. I think all of us are put on this earth for something that we get to be about and dream about and live into and create and choose a world that is good for everyone else. And so in this story, when God calls to Moses, this is not a past tense word. This word is active in the present moment. The word is saying this, God was calling and kept calling and will keep calling to Moses. And God is calling to Moses to be a reminder to all of the people that God is calling to you right now. God did not just call people thousands of years ago. God is calling every single human who's in this room, who's in this world, that God is reminding us of our goodness and what we're able to do and the unique things that we're able to create in this world, to the unique things that we're able to choose in this world, that we should not lose the beauty of hearing that God is calling to us and reminding us of the truest, most beautiful parts of what our lives can be. Why would we ever want to lose that? And Leviticus will give us specific details as we spend God knows how many months here looking at these details of being reminded of what we're called into and how we can live the world. Because here's the most important thing that I'm going to end with is when you get liberated from something, when you get freed from something, if you think that that happened just for you, you're missing the point. You got liberated and freed from something and saved for something because there's somebody else that needs your story now. They need what you've gone through. They know that Egypt. They know that Pharaoh. And only you can tell them that story in that way. And so this is a story, of course, you have to grow up because it's about them as well. And so when we create a new world order, when we reorder things in a different way, that's such a fascinating phrase. When you like Google new world order out there, it's people who are like, there's the cabal and there's elitists who are trying to tell the world what to do. But this new world order is a God who comes and speaks to the slaves. and says, I'm going to show you how to create a new world from the bottom up. I'm going to show you how to create a new world where you've told people that they're no longer human, that they're not valuable, that they're not worthy enough, that they don't deserve dignity. And I'm the God of the universe. And they say, I'm going to teach them it, liberate them, and free them from that so that they can teach you the truth. It's interesting that in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus speaks to the rich and the religious every six verses. And that Jesus hangs out with the poor and the sinners and the beaten and the prostitutes and everybody else who was not as valuable in that world. But what's interesting is that the, Jesus speaks to the rich and the religious for this one reason, because they're the people that don't need God. And Jesus speaks to everyone else to remind them of who God is so that they can begin to remind everyone else of this bigger story as well. Serena Williams is retiring from tennis. Serena Williams is somebody who changed a sport, who has changed the world. She's changed what it means to be a woman in athletics. She's changed what it means to be a kid from Compton. She changed what it means to be black in a very white predominant sport like tennis. She changed a million different things. And the truth about any time that we see a Serena Williams in the world who gets to a new mountaintop, the reason that she gets to that mountaintop is not so that the next person has to go all the way from the valley floor up to that mountain. No, she's raising the water level for everybody else. 
Because there will come a day when there will be higher mountains that a new kid and a new generation will see. There'll be new barriers and new boundaries that need to be broken. She just increased our level of elevation so that we can see things more clearly. And when you live into your calling, when you live into the things that God is choosing for you, when you create a new and a better world, you bring us all to a new mountaintop where we can see a better version of who God is and a better version of ourselves, and together we create a new world. God, I'm fired up. <laughs> would you get back in your same groups, and would you answer this question with one another? How can you participate in reordering your life? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.